This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select T.D. Lamb. Oh, and now, your hosts, Brian Broaddus, David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. Don't you just love hearing all of those names back to back to back to back? 86 combined years of draft coverage within seven panelists that you just heard for the 2020-2021 Cowboys Draft Show. It's 146 days out, but we're talking some Cowboys draft. Welcome in to the first episode of the 2021 Dallas Cowboys Draft Show. Kyle Yeomans driving the bus this year as I did last year, but man, I am uh, privileged to be a part of such a talented group of panelists, and we're starting things off with uh, the right way. Let's just say that by welcoming back Mr. Brian brought us back to the DallasCowboys.com draft show. You see David Hellman up in the top right-hand corner. Then we've got Bucky Brooks also making his return. But, Brian, first off, glad to have you back full-time here on the draft show. It's a privilege for me, somebody who's listened to you for years, has gotten to work with you a little bit. But now, hey, you're back, and you're back for good. Well, thank you, and it's great to be back with you guys. Uh, the draft show is such a big part of what my career has been, you know, the years of scouting and then now in media, and I'm probably more known for the draft show than I am anything else. So it, it's great to be with you guys and uh, excited about the opportunity uh, to, to start this journey. It's really uh, it's exciting because, I mean, Dave, you, you and I went through this journey last year in what was a crazy 2020 draft process. It gets even crazier now that it's 2021. But uh, I know you and I have, uh, have had these conversations before, but it's just not the same without Brian. And now that he's back, we, we get an opportunity to add not only Brian, but Dane back into the fold. Dane Brugler will join us later on, Bucky Brooks as well. And I couldn't be more excited. I know you're pumped about it, though. I, I don't know what's crazier, uh, you know, doing like, you know, the, the pandemic hit in the middle of it last year. So you kind of had to adapt on the fly. But now we're just doing the whole thing pandemic style. We're starting in December, which like we've always <laughs> joked about it, but we're actually doing it, which is kind of insane. But I love it. And yeah, I got my guy Double B back on the show. So I, I couldn't be happier. Actually, two Double Bs because yeah. Bucky's <laughs> along for the ride this time, too. I mean, I'm I'm beside myself. I'm I'm pumped. Let's do it. Bucky, how you been down there? In the You're in the bottom right-hand corner, but hey, we are glad to have you back. We had you on for the Senior Bowl last year, a little bit for the Combine as well. Glad to have you full-time on the draft show this year. Yeah, I'm really excited, and since we're throwing verbal bouquets at uh, Brian Broaddus, I would like to go back and talk about him because he's one of the guys that really started me on my journey as a scout. The conversations we used to have back in Green Bay when I was a player and he was working in the front office kind of started my thirst for the personnel side. So it really is back. It's, it, I'm really glad to be on the show with him because he really played a big part in why I decided to go the personnel route. Well, guys, I could just retire now, so I see ya. It's been, been great to be with everybody. You guys got this thing handled. Kyle, you do great. David, you're really good at this. And Bucky, I couldn't have taught you any better, so you guys have a good time. Now, Hey, now that we spent the last five minutes kissing your butt, I'll just throw in your line about being a failed scout. 
and yeah, can, there you uh, go. Get back to the regular Super Bowl uh, ring. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's one way to, to end that conversation is by flashing that Super Bowl ring. But I, I had no idea. I didn't know that you guys were back in Green Bay together, and now you're on the show together. I, I like that fold of things. So uh, talk about that relationship a little bit, Brian, and how you guys met in terms of you and Bucky and how that kind of blossomed like Bucky just talked about. Yeah, Bucky has always had a really, when he was playing for us, we got him out of North Carolina, and when he was playing for us, Bucky always had a really good eye for evaluating other players. And so I would always talk to Bucky about players in the ACC, and Bucky had a really good thought about these guys and who could be a really good player and who to look at, who not to look at. And he just really kind of took a natural liking to it. So, yeah, I was uh, I was really uh, pleased to uh, to help him along that way, and I, I'm glad he was able to to make it work. That's fun. I, I like that. Yeah. And Bucky, go go for it. No, I'm saying it, it was really cool because those conversations, and I remember di- distinctly the conversations centered around Dre Bly and Robert Williams and Brian Simmons and that crew because the crew that when I left behind in North Carolina, they were really really talented. And Vonnie Holiday, who we ended up drafting in Green Bay was one of those guys. And so just having those conversations and Brian being willing to just kind of share insights on the business, it really made me think about it. And another one of his coworkers, John Snyder, actually gave me my start. So a lot of my scouting career centers from my time in Green Bay and the things that I learned from them and also Ron Wolf. And so I'm really, really thankful for all of those experiences. That's awesome. Along the way, it's crazy how many people meet and how small the scouting world and the NFL world really is whenever you get down to it. Uh, and I'm excited to be along with the, the ride with you guys and, of course, Helmet up here. But I kind of want to explain this really quickly for all those draft fans out there. This is how this is going to work. This four right here, it will be on once a week throughout the entirety of the draft process whenever the Cowboys are out of contention for the playoffs. So once a week you will get this four. There's another four, myself along with KT, Jeff Cavanaugh, and then the great Dane Brugler uh, will be another four set, another tandem per se, that will be on once a week once the Cowboys are eliminated from playoff contention. Until that point, it'll be alternating. It'll be one show a week from the draft show and it'll alternate between these two groups back and forth between the elder statesmen as I like to call it as who we're with right here with Brian and Bucky and Dave in terms of the three most experienced out of the seven total panelists and then we've got the young buck and then uh, the young buck group with KT and, and Jeff Cavanaugh and Dane Brugler they will join us at about 1145 and that's when we'll kick off their side of the show so seven panelists throughout the draft show season full-time I'm pumped about this Derek Eagleton Lots of credit for for pulling together really an all-star cast. But let's get into this, shall we? Let's talk about one of the craziest draft processes that will ever be uh, in the NFL. I mean, you talk about the 2020 draft process, crazy from just missing a couple pro days here and there and not having that entire look at players, the virtual meetings instead of the 30-day guys. And now you go into 2021, and it's a huge question. But, Brian, we're going to start with you. What is the biggest challenge for front offices in a year like this where really everything is up in the air? 
Yeah, there are a lot of challenges, and, and, and it's it's been very difficult on scouts. And I, I know that Bucky's talked to a lot of his guys around the league, and much like myself, and these guys aren't getting to go to these schools. And generally from the end of August through, say, Christmas, the first of the year, they're going to these schools and talking to these uh, football ops guys, the coaches, the trainers, the scout, anybody they could talk to that to kind of talk about these players or learn about these players. And that's really what's difficult for them right now because what they're doing is they're sitting at home and they're just grinding tape. Nothing wrong with just grinding tape. We all appreciate to be able to evaluate these players. But that those interactions you have with those those schools, that's how you're able to build that file on these players. And, and they don't have that right now. There's a lot of calls, Zoom calls, whatever but those face-to-face meetings are really when you get the full evaluation of what that player is you trust your eyes to see what he is as a player but these 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 men and women that are with them every day are the ones that really fill in the gaps for you Bucky yeah you know it's oh oh, sorry go ahead Buck no no I think I think B hits it the nail on the head because um, so much of what you do on the school call is not necessarily just watching tape, but meeting everyone around the building. And what happens is over time, you've been going to the school years and years on end, you have a trusted confidant that you can get the scoop on a player. And so when the liaison may be giving you kind of like the blanket statement and assessment, there's someone else that you can go to, to really get the goods on who a player is, football character wise, and then really his real character. And so it is difficult now that you're not able to go and get around those players, those people, and you're also not able to watch these guys on the practice field because a lot of what you do is you evaluate how they are with their teammates, how they are in line. Are they first in drills? Are they last in drills? Are they a high effort guy when it comes to practice or do they just kind of dog it? You need all of that information because you want to bring that back when you're building a profile. So when you do make the presentation to the decision makers, they know exactly what they're bringing into the building. I was, I was just going to throw in there real quick, which, Brian, you know this, working at the Star for as long as you did. The scouting office is 50 feet away from where we work. Mm-hmm. And so, right. I mean, you get, you get to know these guys pretty well. And during this season, I've, you know, you reach out to these guys to see how it's going, and it doesn't seem like the answer is well. I mean, obviously, the NFL is always going to find a way to work around it, but you just pay attention to the news. You know, some schools aren't even letting scouts sit in the press box to watch games. You know, just in the in the interest of limiting the number of people that are there. So it, you can't go on a school call. Like, you can't get face-to-face time with the players or the coaches that coach them. You can't even, like, watch the game live depending on the school. It's obviously not every school, but some of them. And I just – I do not envy these guys who are tasked with basically, like, you have to put together a portfolio on every player in your area. And I just don't know how you're supposed to do that other than watching tape, which – that, yeah, like Brian said, that's great, but it's it's just one piece of the puzzle, and it seems like these guys don't have the other pieces. So I, I would be stressed if I was a scout, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Do you think, and I kind of want to go back to what Bucky just talked about in terms of seeing practices as well. Do you think there is a workaround, uh, kind of how Dave was even mentioning, of, of these NFL scouts trying to find a way to watch practice? you got to put together the full pieces to the puzzle, and the early pieces are those practice times with your collegiate school. So I just want to know if there's any way that you know maybe teams are combating that, that lack of practice film or how they're actually watching some of those guys. 
Yeah, I think that maybe what we'll see, though, is it maybe the top players you could do this with. Maybe if these teams go to bowl games, if we do have the bowl games, it sounds like they're going to try to have them. Now, maybe you could go to areas where you're not on a campus, but you're on a property. Say you're at the in Orlando at the Citrus Bowl or something like that, and you're watching teams practice. And maybe teams, teams might even have to work with each other on this, too, about what they saw and, and, and things like that. You know, Scouts are good about sharing information. Your teams don't always want you to do it, but scouts really do have each other's backs when it comes to some of this stuff. But I have a feeling that if we get to a bowl game situation or playoff situation, that maybe you'll be able to see some scouts attend those practices and kind of get a little bit of an idea if their guys are there, if their guys are even there playing. We might have some guys opt out if they're not in those major games, but at least that might give you a little bit of a look. You know. Back on Brian's point, I think this is where your relationship with the video coordinator at schools could come into play. Mm-hmm. The years that you love donuts and T-shirts and hats and those things, maybe you can convince him to send you some snippets and some clips just of the warm-up portion of practice or just of the drills. I think you have to be very, very resourceful during this time. That's part of what scouts are tasked with. Um, kind of find a way to figure it out. And so your relationships will really play a big part in your ability to maybe get some form of practice footage so you can look and evaluate how they interact with their teammates and how they move around on the turf. Dave? I, I mean, I think they covered it pretty well. I, I Like, again, I'm stressed out by by the incomplete picture that you're going to have of these guys. I'm already, you know, I wanted to bring this to the show. I, I'm, I know we're, you know, we're going to talk about you know, it's we're going to talk about the opt-outs, but I can't help but notice our colleague Dane, who's going to be here in a half hour. I believe he mocked uh, Caleb Farley, the yep. Virginia Tech cornerback, to the Cowboys. Yeah. That dude hasn't played a snap all year, yeah. uh, and that that freaks me out. I'm sure I'm sure he's a hell of a player. I, I full disclosure, I haven't watched his 2019 tape. I'm sure it's pretty good. But that's a long time to not be getting reps, and not only you know, not only game reps, but as an opt out, he's not he's not practicing, he's not with his program, he's not doing that every day. So have fun projecting what that's, that's supposed to be. It freaks me out. Yeah, that's why you take Patrick Sertain is what you do hey, because I mean, he's been honestly, playing. All right, hey, we've got to I mean, wrap it's, it up. It's, show over. I don't. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk trash on a guy that opts out because yeah. I completely understand the boat that he's in. Yep. But if you're give if you're telling me that it you know if the tags are touching, Brian, if the tags are yeah. touching, or if they're even remotely close, give me the guy that spent the year playing football over the guy that didn't. I, I mean, am I crazy for thinking that way? I don't think so. Um, I think no. uh, Kevin Colbert has talked about this for the Steelers. He said that as Brian would talk about, if the tags are touching, if it's close, the tie is going to go to the guy that you saw play most recently because you know exactly what you're getting. The guy that's been tucked away working in the shadows, the unknown scares you. And a lot about the draft is mitigating and minimizing risk. And what you don't know is scary. So I would rather, even if it's a slightly lesser player, but I've seen him and I know exactly what I'm getting, I'm more likely to lean on that player than the player that has completely disappeared for 365 days. And I have no idea what he's done throughout the process. 
Well, and even you talk about the notables. You talk about Jamar Chase, Micah Parsons, Caleb Farley, who Dave just mentioned, Penny Sully even, uh, a guy who's mocked right now in the top three overall picks at offensive tackle out of Oregon. Those are four guys, and that's just a a scratch of the surface in terms of all of the opt-outs if you want to go down the list of first-round talents. But there's a lot of guys that you don't see feet on the ground in terms of what they're doing in 2020. Guys like that kind of scare me too, Dave. I'm right there with you. But, Brian, from a front office standpoint, is it is it something that they're really having to, to dive into the film? Or is this conversations that need to be had with that player in order for them to not be scared by these opt-outs? Yeah, that's – I mean, I think that Bucky painted a picture for you about your yeah. relationships that you have with – with the with the the coaches, uh, the members of the, the the you know the staff there at these colleges, you know if you really trust a guy, and sometimes these guys, if you have that relationship, he could paint a picture or she could paint a picture for you of this player is reminds me of this guy or he reminds me of this guy, and you could kind of then in your mind say, okay, I've seen this guy play before and that's really how Jerry Jones operates there in that in that war room you tell Jerry Jones this player reminds me of somebody he's already seen that clicks something in his head so I know for the Cowboys that's the way it's going to work but yeah you have to be able to have a relationship and trust that that person is telling you that hey well this kid wasn't with us saw him every day in our weight room saw him every day around the building He's a hardworking kid. I mean, you just got to trust a lot of people that are going to give you the right information so you can make this important decision. Yeah, it's so important to have those relationships, and it will will extend beyond just the guys on the school call. I think now with the explosion of the boutique training Mm. and where guys are going to work out, your ability to know some of these private trainers and to have real open and honest discussions with these guys. Hey, is this guy really a worker? Um, If the workout starts at 8 o'clock, what time is he showing up? Is he walking right in at 8 o'clock? Is he walking in an hour before? Those things. Trying to assess how hard has he been working? What does he look like physically? Can you send me um, some stuff? Can I FaceTime and just kind of watch him work out and move? I mean, now more than ever, you're going to have to be so resourceful when it comes to trying to get the information. And as it relates to the opt-outs, you're going to have to, hopefully, if you've been working in an area, you've been tracking these guys since their freshman year. Yeah. So when I would go to LSU and Jamal Adams was there because I knew him from high school, he would consistently tell me, hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? What do you think? And as they grow through it, you now have a, a feel for how this guy is and how he's worked. And so you have a maybe a, a longer resume, but it's still a very, I mean, it's a difficult challenge. And without being able to go one-on-one with these guys, it's very, very difficult to make a decision yeah, on whether but- you really like them. Bucky makes another really good point here, and I won't say that very often because we're going to argue about <laughs> players here one of these days. So I'm going to get my niceties we'll in while I can. It. But I think that I think that where Bucky makes a point, he talks about the 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 workouts, these personal trainers and stuff like that. That might be another avenue for scouts to go see these players actually work out. Mm. You know, that might be some of these uh, some of these places might welcome you in at uh, four or five teams at a time. Hey, come watch our workout. We'll set up some drills. We'll let you watch them do three cones and pedal drills and stuff like that. So that might be a way for uh, the scouts to kind of get around uh, some of these, uh, be able to put eyes on these players and how they're moving around to match it with their tape. 
Dave, is that I something? I swear, I. Oh, sorry, Kyle. No, go you ahead. go for it. I just I just now thought of this. I I didn't do this on purpose, but I I see our guy, I see my man Joe Burrow behind me on my set here. And I mean, I'm I'm not just bringing him up because he's the best, but it I mean, it's an interesting case. You think back to last year, like if Joe Burrow doesn't have a 2019 season or an incomplete 2019 season, he's probably a day three draft pick. He goes number one overall instead. So on the flip side, you know, we know about Micah Parsons. Mm -hmm. We know about, uh, you know, we know about Jamar Chase. We know about these guys. What about what about the Joe Burrows? who are fringe guys or day three guys who like you could be like, is this a draft where you could see way more diamonds in the rough because there are so many players that maybe haven't had a chance to make that jump. You know what I mean? Like you could be drafting a guy in the fourth round who would have been a second or first round pick in a different year. Am I crazy for thinking that? I, I, I mean, I don't, don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I, no. I think I think it I think it's tough, and I think there's always a, a, a little randomness to when guys are picked, uh, particularly on the third day. Things impact why they're drafted. Sometimes it's a surplus at a position that moves a guy down. Sometimes it's injuries. Sometimes it's character stuff that we don't know about on the on the public side. But I think this year more more than others, there are going to be some guys that kind of fall below the line just because you just don't have enough information on them in terms of tape. We haven't seen them at the All Star game. We haven't put our eyes on him enough to say, you know what, I feel good about him. I'm going to give him this grade because I've seen enough that I'll stand on the table for him. So, yeah, I think some of those guys will fall below the line. I think there's some general managers that are going to run these drafts and put these boards together where the scout, they're going to have to trust their scout. Mm-hmm. They're really going to have to trust their their scout's ability. They, they General managers know which scouts can really dig. And there's some teams out there, guys, and, and you know, Bucky and I unfortunately came from a team where, you know, as a scout, you put your, you put your name on it because you evaluated the tape and stuff like that. But there's some teams that have guys that just go out and gather information. You know, and then somebody else makes the call on whether to set the board or not, or how to set the board. And so that could be a little bit difficult you know, because if you're a scouting department that's based on ga- information gathers, you're going to be in a little bit of a bind now no when doubt. it comes to that because now you're really you're not going to have enough eyes on these players. And it's up to these general managers. And if I'm an owner, I'm looking at your, my general manager and saying, okay, what do you got on this guy? What's your feeling on this guy? You know, and I think that's where owners need to be a little bit more understanding, but we'll see how it all plays out. I think there will be a separation in teams, and, and Brian and I have, have talked about this ad nauseum. There's a difference between the teams that have real evaluators and teams that have information gatherers on their scouting staffs. Yeah. And what you'll see in these drafts, like we saw last year's draft and this year's draft, those teams will separate themselves from the others because they have guys that understand exactly what they're looking for. They can look at the tape. They can make solid assessments. And they can project accurately more times than not how a player is going to play at the next level. Those guys, those teams will shine in this process. This pandemic won't bother them at all because they're confident that they have enough guys that can evaluate exactly what players are when they look at the tape. Bucky, where do you think the Cowboys fall into that category? Well, I mean, I think they're in I think they're an evaluation team. I, I, I think with Will Clay and those guys, like I think they do a Will Clay, they do a really good job of looking at uh, players and being able to project it. The only thing that I've ever had an issue with with the Cowboys 
has been their tendency to kind of go towards the small school guy mm-hmm. as opposed to the big school guy. That used to be a big thing for them. The lower rounds, it was all small school, directional schools that were coming in. And I'm more towards, hey, give me big school. I've seen them playing big games. I know exactly what they are. They may not be the best, but at least I know from a floor standpoint where there are. I'm more likely to, to, to gamble on what a guy's high floor is as opposed to, hey, he could be, his ceiling is this. So that's the thing. It's changed, but it used to be the Cowboys were, were into the smaller schools. Yeah, I, I agree with Bucky on that. I think the thing with the Cowboys, the way I would evaluate them is that you've got some guys, you've got some crusty guys like me that have been out there on the road for a while, you know, and guys like Bucky, you know, not that Bucky's old, <laughs> but he's been out there on the road and seen all this. So what you have is those those crusty guys, though, I mean, they, they know. They know they have to go out there. They know they have to look at the tape. They know they have to make a call. The one thing the Cowboys do is, and I don't know if every team does this, but the Cowboys are assigned positions to evaluate as cross-checkers. So, for example, you know, you might have a scout, uh, Drew Fabianich, which is a national scout. He might do the linebacker. And he might have to be responsible not only for all the national players he covers the whole area, but then he has to cover the linebackers as well. So what you're doing is you're basically saying, okay, I trust you as a national scout to handle this. I also trust you to tell me what the best linebackers are in this draft. So mm. if you're putting responsibility like that on your scouts, you're trusting them to, to be able to make the evaluations. And to, to build off that too, favorite line he's got a few favorite lines he loves to be boring in interviews um but will loves to talk about he basically tells his scouts that you are the general manager of your area Mm -hmm. so whatever you know whether you're midwest uh sec territory west coast whatever you you evaluate all that and you stack them and and that your input is going to weigh heavily obviously they don't make the call at the end of the day but we expect you to firmly evaluate and be confident what you think of the guys in your area. And so, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's evaluation all the way for the well, Cowboys based on what we've gleaned from what they say about their process. It, it certainly seems like they trust their guys from the top down. Let me tell you this, guys. Stephen Jones will make you uncomfortable in a meeting. He really will. Mm. I mean, Stephen Jones, you do not just throw stuff up against the wall and hope it sticks and hope that nobody checks your work. Because somebody to your right or your left has probably checked your work, but that guy sitting in that chair will say, well, wait, yesterday you told me this. Today you're telling me this? So there's a lot of things, a lot of that. You have to have that back and forth right there in order to set your board the right way. That accountability, that communication is huge this year. Go for it, Bucky. Right. No, it is really, really true. Um, Dave, you talked about being the general manager of your area as an area scout. Your responsibility is to know everybody in your area, to know them front and back, and to not only know who's coming out this year, but I need you to know who's coming out in future years. Right. Because if you have been in your area for a while, you've been going to those schools, you've developed relationships, you're very aware of who are the top recruiting guys that are coming in, and you're just monitoring those guys along the way. And so as you stay entrenched and as you kind of build those relationships, you should know them and you should be able to confidently talk about guys in this class and in future classes and to be able to make comparisons, solid comparisons, give me visualizations on who this guy is, who does he compare to that we saw come out recently, to be able to talk about all those things. And you have to do the work because if you don't do the work, it shows up because over time, 
it really shows up in the meetings who who really knows their area and who really knows those players. See, and I think I I love that whenever you talk about kind of the pre-scouting that has to go on for this class specifically, 2021, it's going to matter more than it ever has in the past. It's having those scouting looks from earlier seasons and knowing how guys have performed. And you guys talked about kind of the behind the scenes. Dave talked about how it scares them not seeing guys on the field in 2020. It's going to be tricky, but the better you are at pre-scouting some of these players and these prospects coming out of the draft, the more success you're going to have whenever April comes around and April 29th hits the calendar. It's going to be a tricky draft no matter what, but it also makes it a little extra tricky for the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to step aside and take our first break. When we come back, the great quarterback question of 2021, who's going to be the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and should it be a rookie? We'll address that when we come back here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. It's the second segment of an extra-long first episode of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Glad you're with us. Kyle Yeomans, Bucky Brooks, David Hellman, and the triumphant return of Brian Broaddus to the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Glad all three of you guys are with us. And, man, you talk about experience among these guys. I mean, Brian, you've covered it since 1992, covering the draft. Bucky Brooks since 2001. And David Hellman with seven years. This is only year two of me doing it professionally. So I'm just learning along the way. I learned a lot in that first segment already, and so I'm, I'm excited about this, but out of all of those don't, years... Don't lump me in no. with the other two. Like, don't, like, professional <laughs> professional scouts who have actually been in war rooms. Uh, I, yeah, don't lump me in with I'm just happy to be here. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of how we we're, all are. We're glad to point. have you, David. We're glad to have <laughs> you, man. 
So even through all of those years that I, that I just kind of talked about, and, and throughout the seven total, there are 86 combined years. There's not going to be a single year out of those years that is as crazy as this one, specifically about the storylines around the quarterback position. You talk about Trevor Lawrence tanking for Trevor Sunshine right up at the top of the draft. He's the consensus number one overall pick, seemingly on his way to the Jets. But there's been a bit of controversy around the Dallas Cowboys quarterback as well, and that's Dak Prescott. No contract done at the moment. So who wants to go first on this one? What, who wants to, to break the seal for the draft show this season in terms of finding a way to, to, to address this quarterback issue? Should you draft a quarterback, because there's plenty of them at the top of the draft, or is Dak Prescott your long-term answer and he's going to take up a big piece of that salary cap pie? I mean, do y'all want me to do this? Is, go ahead. Dave, yeah, go for uh, it. Yeah, right. you work, yeah, you work you for the this, team. Buddy. Yeah, you work okay. for the team. Well, go for it. Yeah. How about You're, that? All right. I'll actually I'll, – I'll stray a little bit, and I'll just say this. This is – you know, we talk about what, – what do we say? Investigate and educate, right? Yes. That's our – that's been our tagline. Um, if Dak Prescott is fully healthy and is recovered well from his injury – then I think this conversation is asinine. But that's something that the Cowboys need to really get a firm handle on. Um, you know, everything we've heard is that he's doing great and he's ahead of schedule. And I don't want to, I do not want to like suggest or create rumors that that's not true. I have no reason to believe that, but the Cowboys need to make extra sure that that's the case, that they feel 100% confident that he will be able to play quarterback at a high level when he is recovered. Um, and if, if that's true, then that this is dumb, and I don't want to talk about it. But, you know, you get, to, you get to March, and maybe you don't feel good about it, then I think the conversation changes. I have no reason to believe that right now, but it's on the Cowboys to do their due diligence and make sure they're confident in Dak's health. That's, that's how I feel. Mm. Brian, you want to go next, or you want me to take There's it? There's so can, much hesitation. I, I love I can, it. Go ahead, take it, Bucky. I, I can, go so, ahead, take so, it, Bucky. So yeah. I, think, I think the conversations are, I think it's two different conversations. I think the deck evaluation is different than what the draft is. Eventually, you have to blend them together. I think what you have to do with Dak is you have to compare Dak to a couple of different quarterbacks. So his classmates, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, where does Dak Prescott stack up with those guys? Right now, if you go to L.A., where I'm – where I'm at in Philadelphia, they're not pleased with their quarterbacks, but their quarterback contract is an albatross around the franchise because you're talking about 32 to 30 million dollars annually. Now, if you go the next draft class and you think about Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, where does Dak Prescott fit? Is he more in the Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes category, or is he more in the Jared Goff, Carson Wentz category? Because if you feel like he's Deshaun Watson, and the numbers would say that he's more in that ring, well, then you pay you pay him, and you move on, and you build the team around him. But if you have any hesitancy, we've seen that championship teams are built with a rookie quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie deal and all of the supporting pieces. And so a lot of it depends on how do you view number four. Mm. Bucky, are you trying to fire Dak? That's what That's I'm kind of what it right sounds now. like. That's I'm not trying to, kind of what I'm, it sounds like. I'm, I'm not <laughs> – I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to fire Dak, but I think it's, it's a conversation. I'll, I say this. I think this year has been the best thing for him in terms of the evaluation because for so long, everyone was like, he's propped up by everything around him. Well, now we've seen him removed, and the house of cards have fallen down. And so 
I think that has helped in terms of he's a franchise quarterback who can play at a high level. He's put up big numbers. And then when you look at his draft mates, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, if we were playing in the park today and we had to pick one of those, I'm picking Dak Prescott all day over those guys. And so mm-hmm. I think he's been he's benefited from that. So I would say, yes, I would want to pay him. But now that we've reached the point where we're talking about franchise tags and 40 plus million dollars, you just have to be certain. Are you fine with the money being tied up in Dak, mm-hmm. Zeke and Amari Cooper? And can we win with these guys comprising our big three? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think you both make some excellent points here. I, I will say this, though, about the whole Dak situation to me is, you know, two years ago, I blamed the Cowboys for not getting this done in a timely manner. And the reason why the Philadelphia Eagles signed Carson Wentz to a contract extension because they were worried that at that time that Dak Prescott was going to get $40 million from the Dallas Cowboys. So all now, all of a sudden, the Eagles are looking at their situation like, well, we're stuck with this quarterback right now that's not playing very well. I think that to me, though, the Cowboys two years ago, yes, should have got this done. Right now, I think this is more about what's going on with Todd France, the agent. I think this is more about Dak Prescott. You know, Stephen Jones has come on on our show at 105.3 and talked about he is surprised that he's not able to get this deal done. And so with that being said, I feel like, though, that to me, that's a little bit more on the agent. You know, but we'll see. We'll see how things play out now. Now, if we get to the start of the league year, the new league year, whether it's March 12th or 17th, something like that, and you know they're going to start on this journey of getting to see if they could get this guy signed. If they don't have him signed by the time you're getting to the draft, when we're into April, the end of April, 1st of May, mm-hmm. I am looking at a quarterback with my top pick. I, I I can't I can't trust that things are going to be any different that something magically is going to happen. You know this has to get done early, and if it doesn't get done early, the Dallas Cowboys are in this quarterback market as far as evaluating one of these guys at the top of that board. Because I don't think you could go any further, uh, you know, and, and just say, "Oh, we're going to be okay. We'll get it done." No, you haven't got it done for two years now whether that's your fault or whether that's the agent's fault. But if there's no progress in, Mar- in, in excuse me, March, April, then I, I am definitely looking at a quarterback. You could, you could, all those cornerbacks and linebackers and defensive ends, I'm sorry, I can't look at you. i got to find me a quarterback maybe at the top of this board. Hey, Brian, I think a lot of it depends on where the Cowboys finish. That's true. Because if you finish in what I call the, the high cotton, if you're pick one or two, I think regardless of what happens with Dak, I think the quarterback has to be in play because I think there's a separation between Lawrence and Fields and some of the rest of the guys. So if you're, if you, look, if they finish number two, I think the quarterback has to be in play regardless. You can franchise Dak for another year and then move on. Now, if you're outside of that, then I think it becomes a dicier situation because the quarterbacks that you're talking about, I don't know if they're in the same they're in the same conversation as those other two guys and when we're talking about like franchise guys expected to be able to do it from day one i don't know bucky there's a real there's a real mahomes looking guy out there in provo utah i'm Mm. just saying oh look i like i like i like i like zach wilson and i think zach wilson is a dude however i don't and, and i've talked to people now because it's funny because like this conversation the trevor lawrence justin fields Zach Wilson, Trey Lance conversation is interesting because everybody that you call had 
these guys are stacked in different orders. The consistent yeah. Me too. Is, yeah. is, is, is Trevor Lawrence is typically the number one guy. But two through four, it is flipped all over the place. Depending on what you like and whatever. And so it is very, very interesting. Um, I'll say I'm a little jaded having known Trevor and Justin since they were in high school. I think they're closer than most people give them credit for. I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, particularly when Trevor gets in the playoff. Because last year in the playoff, he didn't play well against Ohio State and Clemson versus pressure. I just would like to kind of see him clean that up as we go forward before I anoint him the next coming. So I, this is this is a I'm, I'm sorry, Kyle, but Brian, it took it took one episode for you to tilt me on my head here because I came into this and I still I think Dak should be the quarterback of the future. I think that's what makes sense. I think it's way more likely that he achieves the success you're looking for than gambling on a guy that's never played pro football. Mm -hmm. But it's an interesting point that if a deal can't get done by the draft, you you can't tag him again. Like, you cannot tag him in 2022. It it would be astronomically – I mean, theoretically you could, but it would be absolutely crippling. And there's no guarantee you get him locked up beyond that. So that's a really interesting point that if Dak does not have a long-term deal by April, you're running the risk of passing on a quarterback and not having any long-term security with your current quarterback. And that's a hell of a dilemma. And I'll say it again, I think Dak Prescott should be the long-term quarterback of this team. But it's awfully scary to think that you could have a shot at one of these guys and not take him with no guarantee whatsoever that Dak will be here beyond the 2021 season. That is that is a hell of a dilemma, and yeah. I hope the Cowboys act with some urgency when they can talk to Dak again. That, that seems like they're, it would be smart. Well, they're going to tag him. They're going to tag him. And if mm-hmm. you can't get a deal done, deal done, now I'm looking at a quarterback, I'm looking at a quarterback needy team. I'm looking at somebody in the middle. There's plenty of teams. The Colts, the Bears, there's all mm-hmm. these qu- quarterback needy teams. Pittsburgh, there's teams that probably you could trade Dak Prescott to and get a one for. You know, I, I'm not I am not gonna sit there and let him hold me up though. Mm-hmm. He but I will say this. I think Dak Prescott is the one that's gonna have to drive this deal. He's gonna have to be the one that tells mm-hmm. Todd France. Let's sign. Let's get this done. And once that happens, then you can focus on everything else you need for this draft. Yeah, Brian, I, I think it's interesting because I, the leverage flips, right? It's flipped yeah. a few times with the tag. It went from the Cowboys to then it went to Dak's side. But then the injury, I think, kind of brings a realization to number four, like, hey, man, I need to get this money. I need to get this done. However, I think it's smart business for the Dallas Cowboys to know that we have all the leverage, we have all the vehicles to use it. We can franchise and still draft a quarterback and then make whatever decision that we need to make going on. We talk about quarterback being the most important position in football. You can never have enough of them. And so if you have those assets, then you do with them what you need to do. But I think this is one where the Cowboys have to go into it. Thinking about the quarterback first and foremost, regardless of whether you get Dak done Initially, I think the quarterback has to be the emphasis because it can bring back so many different things. Let, let me tell you this. I know we'll get into this next show. There are some defensive players at the top of that board that mm-hmm. scare me to death. You know, if you start talking <laughs> yeah. about picking, you start picking guys at four, five, and six, yeah. I, I don't know how comfortable I am doing that right now. But you feel better about I the quarterback I hate to sound like position. a downer, but 
I, I've never been less excited about, which it, it's so early, we don't know this for right, sure, but right. as it sits right now, I am not excited about my options outside of the top like three or four players. Yep. On, I mean, right. maybe, hopefully we can shed some light on some guys that we're not talking about yet, but... It's a scary. Yeah. It's a scary year to be in the top ten. It it's very like. front heavy. It is a scary year. To, yeah, scary year to be up at the top. I think what would be interesting would be if you get the quarterback done. Then I think the offensive tackle conversation mm. comes yeah. into play because as much Absolutely. as we may love yeah. Tyron Smith, I think you have to consider taking an offensive tackle, especially based on what we've seen play out this year. Yeah. I think right. now more than ever, you have to pour the resources into the offensive line. And I think whenever yeah, I tell you what, that that's Bucky. Bucky's right on. Yeah. Whenever you're talking about this quarterback situation, that's really the the question that you're asking is whether or not you're gonna you're whether uh, whether or not you're going to take a bigger risk on filling a team around Dak, or if you're gonna take a risk on not having Dak on the field. Those are the two things. That's the decision that you have to make. And with that being said, it also makes it sound like you're a quarterback away. Are we really that sure that this Cowboys team is a quarterback away from being contenders? Because like you talked about about the offensive line, this season hasn't necessarily built any confidence in terms of the the roster that is set around the quarterbacks, Bucky. No, but I think what you do is you reset the clock when you take a young quarterback. So when you Mm -hmm. take a young quarterback at the top of the board, it gives you a five-year run to build up that championship team. Because there's cost control and cost certainty with a quarterback on a rookie deal, you now know, okay, I got the quarterback in place, and if he is what we think he's going to be, let's throw all our assets and build it up the offensive line, make sure we have enough playmakers, let's look at the defense, and let's see if he can kind of steady carry it the first three years until he pops and takes it over. I think that's why you look at the quarterback just from a cost-effectiveness standpoint. Mm-hmm. Sure, going to be interesting whenever it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and what decision they make at the quarterback spot because there's a lot of different ways you can go. I mean, Brian talked about timing, Bucky's talking about placement, Dave's talking about personnel. There are so many different factors that fall into this decision. It's the biggest decision that the Cowboys are going to make whenever it comes to how the next decade really is going to turn out for this organization. That's how crucial this 2021 draft is going to be for this organization. But, guys, we're going to say goodbye to these three. Dave Hellman, Bucky Brooks, and Brian Broaddus. Guys, it's great to have you back. Excited to get things started again, but we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's KT, it's Jeff Cavanaugh, and it's Dane Brugger. The second half of the draft show coming up on the other side of the break. We'll be right back on DallasCowboys.com. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way. 
where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. I don't know if you guys can hear me. I don't think think we're back here on the Dallas Cowboys Draft Show, trying to figure some things out whenever it comes to connecting Jeff Cavanaugh to the group as he is down in the bottom left-hand corner. But we will get Jeff here in a moment. But Dane and Kevin, can you guys hear me? KT and Dane Brugler, you guys both got me, right? There we go. Perfect. Okay, so let's go ahead and introduce those guys. So we just got rid of David Hellman, Bucky Brooks, and Brian Broaddus. That's the first half of the draft show. Here's the second half. We've got Dane Brugler from The Athletic. We've got Kevin K.T. Turner. As always, he returns for his... uh, What what year would this be of you on the draft show? This is your third year, maybe? I think this is year three for me. Year yeah. three. So I'm, I'm honored honored to be back. We're bigger than uh, bigger and better than ever this year. It's yeah. really exciting. How about that, Dane? Is this your what is this fourth fifth year on the draft show? Uh, no, more, more than that. I mean, six, seven, <laughs> six uh, or seven. I mean, we we. I, I, yeah, we were part of the original crew back in when we, this started. What 2013? I can't remember. It's been a while. Goodness, and and Jeff's still trying to figure things out. It's his. Uh, headset I think at the moment but well we're going to get into quite a couple of things and we just kind of went through the generics whenever it came to the first part of this draft show and and talking with Brian and Bucky and Dave but I kind of want to get into the nitty-gritty and Dane I know you're probably like 600 or 700 players deep already in your scouting of the college football season just right around right I mean you're not to a thousand yet but you're getting there so we're going to get into really the depth of this draft where we're going to be in terms of picking both ways and whether we're trading up or trading down I want to hear from Captain Trade Down himself in just a couple of moments but first off Dane whenever you're looking at the Cowboys need where is some of the depth in this draft and where are they going to ultimately find some of the value whenever it comes to the later parts of it well yeah this is a draft where I don't know that it's uh, you know it's not it's one of those drafts where it's not great to be picking top 10 unless you need a quarterback but this is a very deep draft. Uh, throughout the first round, into day two, I think there's a lot of talent at the t- offensive tackle position, uh, cornerback, pass rusher, uh, wide receiver. So a few of those positions, I think, will be a particular interest uh, to the Cowboys. Uh, it's just, what are they going to do if they end up with a top five pick? That's where mm-hmm. it gets really interesting. A trade back makes a ton of sense. And in this draft, having quarterback, having to be a top-heavy quarterback group that might be a good thing because I don't believe they're taking a quarterback. Some Cowboys fans believe that's a possibility. Uh, I, I still think that Dak Prescott's just got too 
too big of a place in Jerry Jones' heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't see it happening. But it, having a top-heavy quarterback class could be a good thing if we want to trade back and maybe get some more value, get some more draft capital. KT, are you on that boat as well where a trade down makes sense at this point? Yeah, you know, the thing that makes me kind of uncomfortable when we start talking about trading down is just the idea of, like, guaranteeing that the phone rings. And I also get really uncomfortable as a guy who loves the draft. Sure, you want a better draft pick. That goes without saying. But I'm a competitive person who, you know, uh, gets mad if I don't win Monopoly, right? So, like... (laughs) I want to win games, so like I understand, like I still want to go win the division, and I understand like a lot of Cowboy fans are like, dude, just lose out, get the number four pick. You study a little closer, and you said I might be more passionate about them picking at thirty-five and thirty-six instead of fifty yep. than I am about them picking at four and nineteen. I might feel better about that player at thirty-five and thirty-six instead of fifty in comparison to what they're picking at number four or five compared to nineteen. So that's kind of kind of where I, I always get real. Um, I always kind of get get caught in the middle here around this time of year when you are in a situation where it's like we could win the division, but we could just lose out. It makes sense. The only the only way I would be fully 100% on board with Team Tank is if you didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. And that's where I think it would make sense. I don't know how much it makes sense this year, but I'm a guy who wants to win. So I, I said it. If, if, I, if that makes me a bad guy, winning divisions makes me a bad guy. I'm okay with it. Well, that's kind of the that's the dilemma that every Cowboys fan is on right now, and I, I believe we've got the captain trade down, the one and only Team Tank leader on the the bottom left hand corner. Jeff, are you back? Yeah, I'm here, Rod. Captain trade down's Rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's I don't know if you were. Under... What was that? Well, I, I couldn't hear, but I heard KT there at the end. So oh, let me just let me just say, oh no, am I in bad shape? Am I in bad shape? No, KT? we've got you. I, I, we can hear you. Uh, oh, you're just. Oh, worried I can hear you. you. Okay, Maybe yeah, I can yeah, hear you. Yeah, yeah. KT should be worried that I'm coming after him. Um, the problem is, I can tell you that I'm having trouble hearing Jeff. But for those who are who are listening, Jeff's got an incredible bookshelf behind. He does him. have a great background Both. as well, and he is having trouble. We are having trouble hearing hearing Jeff but here's the thing so this since this is the first show I'm going to explain this really quickly and this is a peek behind the curtain so KT and Dane you're listening through Jeff in something that's not on air I'm listening through Jeff on air and I can hear Jeff just kind of very faintly in the Ah, background so continue Jeff and I'll kind of relay that information while we deal with some of these technical difficulties Okay, now I don't hear Jeff at all. All right, so we're going to move on and see if we can get Jeff back up and running. I don't know what's going on with him, but whenever you're talking about trading down and trying to figure out what's going on with this this Cowboys team, Dane, you 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 put out a mock draft in your first mock draft. We're going to hit yep. that in a couple moments. But did you at any point think during your 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 look down these draft picks and whoever you ended up going with with the Cowboys, which was Caleb Farley at the fourth overall pick, did you? You at one point say this is definitely a spot where they would trade down whenever it's Trevor Lawrence off the board and Penny Sewell off the board? Uh, I don't think there's an exact spot. You have to keep an open mind because, you know, it's not like you can really uh, pick who calls you uh, to trade up. And 
Uh, you know, you're looking at some teams in the early teens right now. Uh, of course, we don't know the exact draft order, but you're talking about Chicago Bears, uh, San Francisco 49ers, New England Patriots. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Atlanta, with Carolina. There are plenty of teams this year that could realistically go up for a quarterback. So, you know, and we you don't really have the luxury of picking who's going to call, who's going to have the best offer. So I think you have to have you have to keep an open mind. I think they could be in a situation where they could trade back and get the second best tackle, which in my opinion is Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Uh, he's a terrific talent who opted out this season, but I think he's a left tackle in the league, even though he's going to get killed because it doesn't have the exact length that you want. Uh, you could trade back, and like I said, this is a pretty decent cornerback group. Uh, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, Darian Kendrick out of Clemson, mm-hmm. uh, if you wanted to go the cornerback route. Uh, they're in a position where they could trade back, and I still think they'd be in an excellent situation, regardless if it's trade back to 9 or trade back to 14. So with these guys that you're mentioning here, Dane, I mean, of course, whenever it comes to uh, the overall prospects, sure, the, the, you're going to be fine no matter if you're through 9 to, to 18, 19, even if you win the division, you would be at 19. But KT, you're talking about winning the division. If you're looking at draft picks, wouldn't you rather have options than maybe even just winning the division and picking in the late teens, early 20s? Yeah, give me no, give me the options. And look again, if if everything's equal, I want the higher draft pick, of mm-hmm. course, right? But I just think realistically, the way this thing's going with a Bengals team next week on the schedule, mm-hmm. and you're going to play the Giants and the Eagles down the stretch, teams that you can beat, uh, even though things do look super cloudy right now for the Cowboys, you can beat those teams. I just think it's realistic. I think right now we're talking about a team could be picking fourth or nineteenth, yep. and we're talking about trade downs. They could be picking tenth. Quite frankly, I don't know how. How well this team is this team going to go compete against the Bengals? They're going to beat the Bengals if they go compete to their highest level against the Bengals. They're going to move up a little bit. I think probably the most realistic possibility is winning a game or two and not winning the division, and you're kind of stuck there at nine or eight or ten or whatever. But but more than anything, look, you got all this time. You're running through these players. You're going to be taking deep dives at these players' uh, senior bowl combine. There's so uh, there's such a long distance to go here. The number of options for this team, it's really, it's really good. Like that's, that's a great thing they have. And if negotiating, you know, is something that they want to do, you know, there's so much that has to play out that with Dak, mm-hmm. when you start looking out there, and there's just a lot that has to play out. So like the options are there. I think the one thing that is like a known thing, because I do think you have this big question mark in terms of options and what direction you go. One thing that we all know is that the defense needs help. Yep. And, hey, I'm a guy who needs to help this offensive line. I support helping out the offensive line, especially when you're not getting out of that Zeke contract. Zeke's going to need open holes to run through. That's not going away. He's on your roster next year. I want to help that offense out, but uh, that offensive line out. But but defense is where the focus goes. And I know for me, you know, watching these players, my focus is immediately gravitating towards the cornerbacks um, and kind of really focusing in on that and things like that early on. But, you know, as we've branched out and moved forward, you, you sit there and go, man, that offensive line depth, that offensive tackle depth is really interesting. Do I do I have to take Panay Sewell if he's there at four? No, I don't think you do. I think there's enough names now where if I'm picking at 37th in the second round, I, maybe I can get a tackle there. There's going to be a lot of tackles that go in the first round. It'll be interesting as we continue to watch film and, and soak in this information, where does the cutoff go to where you're comfortable? It's like, is this guy in this tier? Mm-hmm. Is this guy in this tier? That's where I think that the draft gets really interesting is that debate that the Cowboys are going to have internally. Like, At what point do they attack the offensive line? Because 
I, I don't know how they feel about Tyron moving forward. The contract's on the books or whatever, but I think we know what happens when Tyron's out. So they're going to have these really big, heated internal debates, and that's part of what makes it fun is, you know, Bounce, I've been watching film with Jeff and Broadus and sometimes with Dane for all these years, and the most fun part of it is disagreeing on players. And, <laughs> uh, and not for the sake of argument, just for the sake of uh, more perspectives. Yep. You know, uh, so it, that's what kind of makes it makes it fun, and we're here, man. Draft season, let's it, rock! Isn't it fantastic? I mean, you talk about different perspectives. We've got seven different perspectives on the panel throughout the course of of this show and into the spring and the draft process. We're going to step aside. We're going to see if we can get our seventh perspective. And Jeff Cavanaugh hooked up and ready to go. We're going to uh, come back when we come back. Though we're going to talk about Dane's mock draft. Trevor Lawrence goes number one, but who was the second quarterback taken? And was it one of the Names that's not Justin Fields. We'll talk about that next when we return on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. I believe Captain Trade Down is riding again. He is here and ready to roll. Finally, we got it all figured out. Huge credit to Chris Beam in the back trying to figure everything out on the run. And really what was a crazy transition between the first half of the show and the second half of the show. But now that everybody's here, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin KT Turner, Kyle Yeomans with you here on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Jeff, how you doing, man? Uh, I think I'm here. Am I here? Yeah. Am I here? I hear you. Am I on the show? Yeah, you're on the show. It sounds fantastic. Chris, 
good. Chris is a monster. Uh, I'm the worst, but I'm happy to be here. Hi, guys. Did you guys enjoy your first segment? It was good, man. It was good, like, guessing what books you had behind you and your snow globe and, and the chaos running through your brain as I was talking about winning the division, and I know that's the last thing you want us to do. Oh, well, see, but that's the thing here. Now, pe- people get the wrong idea about Team Tank and cra- tap, uh, Captain Trade Down. People get the wrong idea about it. Team Tank is just my preferred result to games. Mm. You can't ask your players not to try. You can't ask your coaches not to try because they get fired. So, look, they're supposed to try their best. I just hope that they come up short in every game that they play this year because I think it's best for the long-term future because I want to hold the top five pick while a whole bunch of teams that are picking in the teens are desperate for a quarterback. Captain Trade Down and Team Tank are best friends. You just can't get the wrong idea about what tank means. It's just what I'm pulling for, not what they should actively try to do. So so you want Team Tank to happen so that Captain Trade Down has more options. That's what I'm hearing at this point, right? Yeah, Captain Trade Down just wants to ride. Yeah. You know, because this is a year where where I don't I don't want to make a pick in the top five if Panay Sewell's off the board because the Cowboys aren't picking a quarterback. I don't trust any of the corners. I don't trust any of the pass rushers. So I don't want the pick for the pick's sake. Mm. I want the pick because Chicago, um, Tampa, uh, all these teams that are going to be picking between 10 and 16, they might want to dance with you. And so now my goal is to get this team's first pick into the teens. And so, look, if that happens because they win the division, so be it. You'll pick the best player there. But if it happens because somebody comes calling for a better pick that you get to trade down from, well, now we're partying. Because now I'm picking one of the edges in the teens or one of the corners in the teens. Then at the top of the second and in the middle or back of the second, you're picking an edge or a corner and a safety. I'm just trying to find a bunch of dudes in the top 50 to 75 picks. That's the goal. And losing helps you get more of them. Lots of darts for the dartboard. That's one thing that I remember you saying last year over and over again, and it always stuck with me. And I feel like this year it, it matters even more with the craziness of the 2021 draft and the whole process. I think having more of those darts to throw at the dartboard are going to ultimately help you out a ton. And that's why, honestly, I'm right there with you. I'm riding alongside Captain Trade Down. I'm on the horse as well in terms of trading down at that point. And Dane even kind of made me feel better about it earlier whenever he was talking about the options that were there for the Cowboys but Dane I want to go deeper into your mock draft mock draft 1.0 on the athletic you can go check it out Dane always does fantastic work on there and this is something that I kind of want to dissect from the top down whenever it comes to the first round mock you went through all 32 teams but it started with Trevor Lawrence at the top of the draft no surprise he's like I said at the top of the show the consensus number one pick but where it kind of got interesting for me was with that second quarterback taken the number two overall pick to Jacksonville was not Justin Fields it was instead Mr. Zach Wilson why did you go with Wilson there Dane? Uh, Wilson's been fantastic this year Um, I think if you're looking at today's NFL and what teams are looking for you look at uh, you look at Zach Wilson and he fits the bill Uh, the mobility the ability to throw off platform uh, inside a structure outside a structure he's a naturally accurate quarterback and obviously all 32 teams are looking for that 
I think the main point I want readers to come away uh, with uh, from that mock draft is not that Zach Wilson's absolutely the number two quarterback in this draft. He will be drafted second. Not, not That's not the case. What I do want readers to and listeners to come away with is there's no consensus in the, with this quarterback class uh, after Lawrence. I, I, it's hard to find uh, many that don't think Lawrence is number one. But after Lawrence, you've got Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Those three quarterbacks are duking it out for two, three, and four uh, in this quarterback class. So there's no consensus. Do not be surprised if uh, you know one of those guys, even like a Trey Lance, were to go that high. It's possible. So let's keep an open mind to the quarterback order. And if you're the Cowboys and you're picking top five and you don't get Penny Sewell, that could be a good thing. Now, after watching some Fields, some Wilson, some Lance, I feel the same way. Like, I don't know yet, and I'm, like, blocking out my Saturday. Like, okay, we got the Ohio State game. Let's watch Fields. Let's focus in. Thank God, um, you know, BYU and Coast, uh, Coastal Carolina mm-hmm. were able to make that work because that's going to be exciting to watch. If it's a, you hate to see it happen for these reasons uh, with Liberty not being able to play. But, yeah. like, can't wait for that game. I never thought that I would say I can't wait to see Coastal Carolina play. You know, when I watch yeah. Zach Wilson, I get hypnotized by the offense. That is a fun offense that BYU runs. Uh, I have to sit there and go, wow, that is incredible. Uh, I, I get the vibes, and it's not his fault, that sometimes he's playing with his food a little bit. And we kind of saw that from Trevor Lawrence, I think, in year two a little bit. Mm-hmm. Felt like he was kind of playing with his food a little bit. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and have a YOLO ball into double coverage here because I can. And I'm okay. It's, got, it's all going to work out. So I, I can't wait to watch these guys tomorrow as we continue to go forward. Trey Lance is, is the, the, the difficult one because, I mean, you got 10 games yep. <laughs> or 15 games or whatever it is. Seven, That's seven. it. You got a handful of games and figure it out. And that's going to take a little more gumption, I think, to just roll the, to go ahead and, and take Trey Lance at number two. But new GM coming to Jacksonville, so uh, Lord knows what they're going to be thinking and, and whatever happens with that organization. But uh, I, I love the fact that here we are in December and still going, all right, we got these games that matter right here when it comes to evaluating these quarterbacks. Jeff, what do you think about the quarterbacks? Coastal Carolina – Hey, real quick, Coastal yep. Carolina, they're a top 15-ranked defense. So even though I know on on the surface BYU at Coastal doesn't really sound that exciting, but it's a chance to see Zach Wilson against a top 15-ranked defense. Coastal's got uh, some defensive dudes on that team, so it, it is worth checking out. I can promise you scouts will be glued on that game. Yeah, I think with the quarterbacks, the most important thing, at least from the Cowboys' perspective, is a couple of different things. And the first one would be, Technically, your quarterback's not under contract, right? So if the Cowboys had a high enough pick and they fell in love with the prospect, could that actually mean something for this organization? I think not. I think they're going to get a Dak Prescott deal done and he's going to be the guy. But the idea that different organizations are valuing these guys in a different order, I think is also a great thing for the Cowboys because it makes your pick more and more valuable because you don't know which team that may not have a shot at these guys. And maybe this is a question for Dane, where as I'm drawing it out in my head, at least with what the draft order would be today, mm-hmm. I think one and two would absolutely be quarterbacks, right? I think three, where Burrow is, absolutely not a quarterback. Um, I don't have the order in front of me, but Washington at eight, I would think definitely quarterback. And I'm missing one before them, where I Carolina. would think they'd yeah, take probably a quarterback. Carolina. And, Carolina, yeah. And, and so if 
four are going to go in the top eight, it makes your pick really important to teams in the teams. If if the guy who doesn't go in the top two is somebody's guy that is picking down there and needs a quarterback, that's that's what you want. You want to see four of these guys go in the top eight or be on pace to go in the top eight because it makes it a race to get in front of Washington right now, in theory. So I guess that would be my question is, when I go through and I look at all these teams and I say, need a quarterback, need a quarterback, need a quarterback, need a quarterback, are any of these teams going to skip over that? And could a team that's sitting at 13 or 14 have the fourth guy sitting there for them? Well, specifically, what yeah, I, you, you can't rule that out. Go for it, Dane. And I think the other thing the, uh, we have to pay attention to here is if you're the Cowboys fan, you want Justin Herbert to keep tearing it up. Yes. You want Tua to keep tearing it up. Because the perception of these top five, top six quarterbacks playing in the NFL right now, that matters to NFL teams that are looking for a quarterback and it could be uh, something that you know creeps into their perception of this upcoming quarterback class saying, wow, okay, Herbert came in, did this, uh, Tua's doing this, Burrow before he was injured was doing this. Okay, well, let's go up and get our quarterback and see if he can do that. And so, uh, I mean, I think you're right, Jeff. It's, uh, y- you like to see these uh, quarterback needy teams lining up. And it's, you know, those are the teams in the top eight. But like you referenced earlier, you've got the 49ers, you've got the Bears, uh, you've got the Patriots, you've got several other teams that are just outside that top eight who could potentially make a move. So it's, it, it, it's a good year to be picking in the top five if you need a quarterback. But it could also be a good year if you have your quarterback and you could be looking to pick up some draft capital. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be the conversation that dominates uh, the, the draft talk between now and April. So specifically whenever it comes to your mock draft, you had Caleb Farley going to the Cowboys at pick number four. While Justin Fields was still on the table and and Trey Lance was there as well, if we want to talk about all four of those quarterbacks. So in that very specific moment, the Cowboys could have taken a quarterback if they really wanted to, if Justin Fields is their guy. And of course, if Dak Prescott is not signed, like we kind of talked about in the early part of the show, but, but why not Justin Fields if you're the Cowboys and why is Justin Fields a little bit further down? Is it just because of the play of Zach Wilson or is it because he's maybe had a little bit of a step back? Well, I mean, he is coming off the worst game of his, you know, two-year college career against Indiana. He threw three picks, uh, but he also had three touchdowns in that game, 300 yards uh, passing, and Ohio State got the W. So it's, he's not falling necessarily. It's more about Zach Wilson and what I talked about before, how there's just so many, there's no consensus of these quarterbacks. And uh, there's some teams, I, I literally talked to uh, scouts with teams that say Zach Wilson's their guy. He's special. That's the guy we want. Uh, now, but it's still early. Uh, you know, th- we, these teams haven't had a chance to sit down with these quarterbacks and really delve into, okay, what do they know, what don't they know? Uh, when we put up the tape, do they understand what defense they're looking at? Do they understand the protections? There's still a lot we, they, these teams need to figure out. So it's, it's still very early, but, and I didn't do any trades. It's important to point that out, too, mm-hmm. with, uh, with this mock draft. So when you're going, talking the first two picks, quarterbacks, the Bengals at number three, Penny Sewell, uh, it just makes too much sense there. At number four, the Cowboys. If Penny Sewell is available, I don't think the Cowboys pass. I think that's their pick. But if they're sitting there at four and the top two quarterbacks are off the board, plus Penny Sewell, 
what direction are they going? I, I just don't see them going after a quarterback. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott is, to me, I, I agree with Jeff. He's the guy. He's They're going to figure out a way. Jerry Jones has too much love for Dak Prescott to you know, buy into the potential of one of these quarterbacks. So uh, you, know, you had to go in a different direction, and that's where it gets a little tricky. Can I add on to that? Because what I would say at four is, and Caleb Farley, I do think, having studied his tape, I think the potential is there for him to be the best corner in this class. I don't know that he is today, but the traits are there for him to be an absolute lockdown stud. So I get what teams will like. But if you're the Cowboys, and I know everybody's going to kill me for this, but I mean this. If you're the Cowboys and the fourth best player on your board is Jamar Chase and you're not sold on the corners... Do you owe it to yourself? Don't you laugh at me? Do you owe it to yourself to pick the best? It's a half-decade pick. It is not a pick for what you need today. It's a half-decade pick. So if you felt infinitely better and you were stuck at four, then Jamar Chase is a star and the corners, well, they have upside. Don't you owe it to yourself to make that pick and then figure out what to do with your receiving core to get picks back, whether it's moving a guy, whatever. Can you surpass a guy that you think – is the better player for position of need with the top five pick? This is the I don't think I can because I, part of that is the depth of the wide receiver class will be good again. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it, and I think you have to consider that. Um, I like what you're doing, though. I like how you just come in and muddy up the waters like that. Team I actually enjoy burger. this. It's Team 50 Burger. That's what Jeff's it, getting to. You don't have to keep them all. Okay. All I'm saying is that if you are making a pick for a half decade and you intentionally take a worse player, yeah. you're insane. You're talking about best player available. You want to make sure that the best yeah. player is in your possession, especially when Dane mocked Jamar Chase going to Philadelphia, and then you're going to have to play him for five years whenever it comes to uh, an NFC East division rival. Well, you're just saying take the best player available no matter the position. Stick with that sort of drafting mentality. Then, then you take a running back there then. You know, like, you know, that's how you get in these situations. And by hey, the way, that, if you're Team 50-burger, then your defense is Team 60-burger in that, in that case. <laughs> so, like... Let, let's be real, though. Do we really think the Cowboys would do that? Do we really think they would take a receiver at four? I, I, no, I, no. I just I can't see it happening. So, I, I love out-of-the-box thinking when it comes to the draft. But realistically, just can't see the Cowboys doing it. And it, it, that's what I'm saying. It makes it tough at number four when you're sitting there. I, I think the three best non-quarterbacks that I've studied so far in this draft, Penny Sewell, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts. Wow. I think those are the three most, just the best talents in this class. But after Penny Sewell, I'm not, I don't think they'd take Jamar Chase. And I don't think they would take Kyle Pitts. I, I mean, I, I just... I, and Kyle Pitts, honestly, when I was uh, – I'm kind of getting us off track here, but uh, Kyle Pitts is a very interesting prospect to talk about because he's just a different breed of pass catcher. He's not your hand in the ground going to dominate the point of attack tight end. He's more of that hybrid move tight end version. And But he's a cheat code. I mean, he is a impact player that can really uh, add a different element to your offense – but he's not going to. Not everyone's going to be 100% on board with taking a player like that that early. So figuring out where Kyle Pitts falls in this draft, he could go top five or he could go top 15. It's, it's kind of hard to figure him out. Should we have a realistic conversation about Kyle Pitts, though? Like, I mean, 
right now you've got you Blake should. Jarwin, yeah. you've right. got Dalton Schultz, you've got these guys at tight end, but neither one of those are game changers. I mean, we know that from the Cowboys' perspective. Neither one of those guys are going to really win you a ton of games on their own, but Kyle Pitts certainly could. Are we going to call Kyle Pitts a tight end? Are we going to do that? We could. I mean, yeah. you try yeah, to call uh, yeah, Clayton I mean, a tight end. Who did? You no, did. I mean, he, he. I think he is a tight end, but he's he's a pass catching tight end. Uh, I mean, he can. Yeah. You can put. Yeah. He. You can put his hand on the ground. He. He's a get in the way blocker. He's not going to move the point of attack. He's. He can do enough where he can be. You know, get in the way and at least keep guys occupied. Uh, but, you know, you just have to use him in the right way, and so he. He's definitely different. There's no question. I almost think of him. The way that we thought of Quentin Nelson when he was coming out of Notre Dame. Quentin Nelson was one of the best talents in that class. No question about it. But where's, you know, not every team valued guard that highly. And Kyle Pitts, he's one of the best talents in his class. Not every team values what he does as highly as other teams. So it makes it a little difficult to figure out where is his best fit in the top 10, top 12. I think out of the question at four, you know, you start talking about trading back, then maybe they like Jarwin a lot. They've invested in Jarwin, and I think they're more the more I have to go that in that direction. I think it's, I think that's where it kind of though it does get fun because we are going to have to think outside the box if we don't love Caleb Farley, if we don't love Patrick Sertain, if we don't love uh, Micah Parsons. You know, whatever it may be, and, and what they do with Jalen may have may come into play when it comes to taking a guy like Micah Parsons. But I, I do think they know that defense is what they have to attack. I think defense, and I think you know, knowing this organization's love for and success, quite frankly, drafting some offensive linemen early in the draft. I think that's where you're seeing this team focused in on. Um, it's not like it's we got a new regime here. I mean, Mike McCarthy's here and some new coaches, but you know, Will McClay, Stephen, Jerry. We know how these guys think, and I think that's what we're kind of going to be looking at uh, more than anything. Offensive line and then defense first and foremost. And if number four, you can't get the phone to ring, I think you're rolling the dice on Caleb Farley if, uh, if Sewell's gone or something like that. If you can't get the phone to ring, I think you're rolling the dice there before you're rolling the dice on Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. Well, Jeff, what? okay, based off who you've seen so far, if – I tell you that you can't trade back and you can't take an offensive player. Who are you taking up for? Whoever it is, I hate it. <laughs> I hate Already? It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you told you me, you got to be prepared for that scenario, though, yeah. right? Well, that's why I would pick Jamar Chase. I'd say I feel really good about the player I picked. I wouldn't want to feel bad about the player I picked. And like to me, Gregory Rousseau, I'd be. Terrified to pick in the top five. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Pay, Agree. Terrified to pick in the top five. Micah Parsons is an off-ball linebacker that's relatively new to the position. I'd be terrified to pick him in the top five. Farley, I think, is a solid player with really good potential. So you may be right in that that's the name. I probably today trust Patrick Sertan at Alabama more mm -hmm. than I would trust Caleb Farley. But the traits to be an elite cover corner, I think Farley has more upside. So, like, that's kind of the guy. But if you told me in any given draft year, where would you pick Caleb Farley? I'd be like, uh, 20? Hmm. Somewhere around 20? Yeah, I was, trying to think, I was trying to think about where Farley and Sertain would compare to last year's corners. Yeah, Farley would be my, uh, third, maybe my third corner. 
It wouldn't be the top corner, I don't think. Um, so that's, 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 I, I get it. I get it. And that's why four is a bad place to be. And that's why you win the games, go beat the Bengals, you go beat a Colt McCoy Giants team. Could be. You go ahead and win that NFC East, baby. Host that playoff game. Hey, 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 little Andy Dalton, let's go on a run. Let's go on a wild run. Super Bowl. That's why you do it. I, I like no. it. Kevin. Picking 32 like changes it. the draft show, doesn't it? It's complete. Wouldn't that be interesting? We're talking about picking at four, and then uh, a month and a half from now, we're picking at 32, and it's like, hold up, what? <laughs> like, wait, what are we talking about you now? Think Derek oh, I got some guys. I got guys Derek? at 32. I got guys. Hey, if, we're, if we're picking at 32, you think Derek would regret paying all of us to do the draft show since oh. there's like 20 of us this year? Yeah, yeah, I think he would regret it probably, but I'm not going to bring that <laughs> up like to the... Derek. We're going to hide this in the back half of this show for sure, <laughs> so that way we don't have to talk about it. But now, uh, I, I want to go through Cowboys wants and needs, because we're talking about all these different positions, but if you had to rank the needs of the Cowboys right now, it, uh, where would you put those? Because, I mean, you could start with corner, you could start with linebacker, you could go with defensive tackle. There's so many different spots to go, but where would you rank the needs for the Cowboys right now? Jeff, we'll start with you on this one, but I want to hear one through, let's say four. One through four, where are you picking if you're the Cowboys and what you need from a draft class? Well, need, I, like, I don't think you can put linebacker as a top, quote, need, okay. only because, in theory, your two starters are on the roster and two guys play at a time at linebacker for the most part. So, to me, the biggest need is Cheeto's contract up, Jordan Lewis' contract up. Your biggest need is corner mm -hmm. because you'll have Trayvon Diggs and Anthony Brown, and you need three minimum to start a football game. So, to me, I would think corner is probably right there at the top. Safety, Xavier Woods' contract is up, and so it'll be Donovan Wilson and, I don't know, so you're short a starter at safety. I think you need a starter at defensive tackle, but because I'm more talking about the nose tackle and the run stopper there, I wouldn't put it at the very top of the list. So I would go corner and safety, so entire secondary, followed by potentially a linebacker or an edge player. Mm. Even edge with guys like D-Law and Randy Gregory still in the mix? Well, Alden Smith's a free agent, so yeah, I think even if you have Randy Gregory with one year left on a contract and Tank Lawrence that you want more. Maybe Bradley and I and Dorrance Armstrong, that's a rotation you're happy with with those four, but I think I'm always looking for a pass rusher anyway, so I think linebacker, pass rusher, defensive tackle, those all fall in line somewhere right behind your secondary. KT? Cornerback, safety, O-line, D-line. Oh, making it quick and easy. I mean, yeah. right. Offensive tackle, um, I, I, I love Tyron as much as anybody, but I, I mean, at some point you got to start preparing for the future, and that's why I, I don't think they'd pass on Penny Sewell if they have a chance at him in the top five. and. Uh, it's one of those positions that you have to look at, and if it's the best player on the board when you're picking in the first round, if it's a top five or it ends up being later on, that's got to be a position you look at. You know, I, a guy like Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern who has position flex. He can help you out at guard. He can help you out either tackle spot. Mm -hmm. uh, that has to be appealing for a team that has struggled so badly this season with uh, depth issues on the offensive line because of injuries. And we talk about Tyron so much, but don't forget, Lyle, that's a hip injury. Yep, and that a serious is, injury. Yeah. That's a, a very serious injury at that position. Um, so I, I think we got to keep that in mind as well. 
And I think you have some flexibility whenever it comes to those two guys. You could always put uh, Tyron at right tackle. You could put Collins at the guard if you really wanted to. You could you could mix and match around the, the, the offensive line in the offseason to justify what your pick is. But we've talked about the tackles and we talked about the corners up at the top of the draft. Is there a defensive tackle that's good enough to be picked in the first round, or is that really kind of going to be right in that area of that early second round, your first pick of the second round, maybe even to the third? Uh, history tells us a defensive tackle is going to go in the first. Uh, once in the last 30 years, a interior defensive lineman did not go in the in the first round. So uh, history tells us just, uh, and not to mention NFL teams love to build on the defensive line. So there's a chance that maybe a Christian Barmore out of Alabama could get in there, uh, a player that it's it's based a lot on potential and traits. Um, a, a guy I like out of Iowa is moving up the boards, Davion Nixon, who's having a really nice year. I, I didn't include a defensive tackle in my first round, and I don't I wouldn't take any of these defensive tackles in the first, but. Uh, maybe that's that's a good thing for uh, you know the Cowboys because uh, in the if they're picking with an early second round pick or an early third round pick, there will be options because this is while it's it's a bad year for defensive tackles in the first round, it's a pretty solid year for mm-hmm. defensive tackles on day two. Uh, so that could be the sweet spot for a team like uh, like, like Dallas. And we've seen this team go there in the past years with Neville Gallimore round three, um, uh, um, Malik Collins round three Tristan in the Hill. past. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, we, we, yeah, which, you know, late round two feels like early round three or whatever. But, like, that that's uh, we've seen this team go there, find that as a sweet spot. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Jeff, if you're uh, you're you're throwing this this wide receiver tandem out there, and you're 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 talking about that as a potential best player available, and, and you mentioned, I, I kind of want to go back to what you talked about whenever you're talking about feeling good about a player, uh, and and you mentioned Farley, you mentioned Sertain, and then of course Jamar Chase was in that conversation as well, but. Who else would you feel good about in the second round? Like, if there was an early second round pick, and we talked about the value of picking toward the front half of that, is that where you have to go defense, especially if you go that offensive side and that offensive route in the first half? Or is there somebody on the offensive side of the football that you'd feel happy about early in the second? Well, I feel like a lot of the guys that I'm watching, and obviously Dane has seen 7,472 guys this year, and I'm at about 14 or 15. (laughs) But I think a lot of the guys that I've been watching, whether it's the guys that are considered the top edges in this class or the third and fourth corners in this class or the second and third linebackers in this class, I mean, there's a lot of players that I really like. I just think when you're talking about which guy you're going to pick at, in theory, number four overall, you should be picking a guy that you feel like, man, this guy can be a star. And in this draft class, look, there's going to be stars that come out of here, whether we identify them to be picked in the top three or five or it's somebody who trades and hits their ceiling. Like, they're going to be there. And there's guys that I really, really like. There's just not guys that I really, really like picking in the top five where they're going to be incredibly highly paid in the salary cap league. But, like, when you're getting to the end of the first round or early into the second round, um, Nick Bolton, linebacker out of Missouri, I love him. Mm. I actually have already coined him the anti-Parsons because Micah Parsons is a monster who's, what, 6'4", 245, and may go sideline to sideline faster than any linebacker in the history of the league. Like, he's a demon when he's, when he's right. But like Micah Parsons, I feel like you see how young he is at the position when he's dropping in coverage. And when he's not diagnosing immediately, 
I watched Nick Bolton at Missouri, and I don't think I've ever seen him take a false step. I don't think I've ever seen him not be the first guy moving off the snap. He's always right. He stays in the shuffle. I have seen him cover. So, you know, he's not prototypical size. But currently, my guy in this draft is Nick Bolton. Yeah, Frisco kid. He's he's awesome. And uh, he's going to get killed for the lack of length. But you're absolutely right. He, he's a uh, uh, bat out of hell. The diagnose skills are awesome. And, you know, there's there's some Devin Bush to his game, who, of course, Devin Bush went, I think, 10 overall to the Steelers. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Nick Bolton absolutely could end up being a top 20 guy in this class. Also, I, I keep in mind, you know, he's really needs to show it here as the season winds down. But, yep. you know, Dylan Moses, kind of a blue star special for Alabama there. Who you know, unfortunately tore his tore his knee up last year and hasn't looked the same this year. But you know, we've seen it in his tape and a little bit of his tape last year. Like there's a little bit there to go. Okay, there's if that can be untapped, you, just, you get a little nervous. I know drafting injured linebackers uh, in this organization. I know, mm-hmm. but Dylan Moses is a guy I'm definitely not sleeping on. I like- One more guy at linebacker to mention: Zaven Collins out of Tulsa. Ooh, I know the Cowboys like him. All right, uh, and in a tradeback scenario, don't rule out Zayvon Collins. He could be in the mix. They like him a lot. You've got. How it. come they won't let their Tulsa guy play this year? Yeah. With Reggie Robinson. I was about to bring that <laughs> up, KT. I was about to say that. Dane, any answer to that? Uh, good question. Dane's not keeping I, I it off the field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put him out there. I, safety corner. I don't care. I mean, he he can he could help you out either spot. So this. I thought he was ready to step in. You know, he was he was a, an upperclassman, a guy that was a veteran who had versatile experience. I thought we'd see a little bit more from him, but you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and question the coaches. They obviously don't feel quite ready with him just yet. Yeah, but uh, you know, we we have yet to read the last <laughs> chapter of his book. Hey, Al Harris, remember that time Matt Hasselbeck said we want the ball and we're going to score, and you intercepted. I got your attention now. I got your attention because you hit the interception. Let Reggie Robinson play. Just let him play. <laughs> There's KT's final final words of the draft show, I guess, before we wrap things up. But uh, I like the linebackers in, in that second round. I'm glad, Kavanaugh, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I like Bolton a lot. Got to see him at Lone Star, actually, down the road. Coach Rayburn does a fantastic job of producing talent, especially on the defensive side of the football there. And he's just one of those guys that's been there, done the right thing at every level he's been at. And I think he'll continue that into the NFL. So I like Bolton a lot. I, I was watching Moses yesterday. I still don't really know how I feel about him. And then Dane bringing up another Tulsa defender. I'm, I'm cool with it. I like the Tulsa defender from last year, Reggie Robinson. We just haven't seen him this year for the Cowboys. So lots of options there in the early parts of the second round uh, whenever April comes. But that's not going to be it for our draft show as we'll be back next week and even every week after that until the Cowboys are out of contention. And then we'll go twice a week with these different groups but man guys it's been a whole lot of fun and, and glad to have you back for another year of the draft show dane glad to have you right back in the mix like you once were full-time you were on the show quite a bit last year but glad to have you back in the mix full-time buddy yeah i saw the, the the sign up in the sky and i came running so i'm on board <laughs> let's do it captain trade down you, you you feeling good about the draft this year the final five weeks of the season 
Oh, Kyle, we're going to kill this thing. It's going to be incredible. This is, listen, this is what Captain Trade Down lives for. Captain Trade Down lives for this top five pick, turn it into three or four picks in the top 50. Joseph Osai, I see you there at Texas. I'm thinking about you. J.C. Horn, I see you. Trayvon Morig, I see you. We're coming to get all you guys. We just It all starts with Captain Trade Down getting to Ryan. KT, uh, I I don't think there's any better way to, to put it that like he just did. But you're right there in the same boat. You're Mr. Win to go to go win the division. You got Captain Trade down and Mr. Go Win. You, you feeling good? Yeah, I'm Sergeant Win. I'm Sergeant Win Games. <laughs> um, just win. We'll get. We're gonna we're gonna scout them up and we're gonna we're gonna pick the right players when it's time. So it's just just go win games. <laughs> All Getting right. ready for Baltimore. Let's that's, go. That's going to do it here for us on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. For Dane Brugler, for Sergeant Wind Games, for Captain Trey Down, I'm Kyle Yeomans saying so long from the star in Frisco. We'll see you next week on the draft show. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!